You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints of God, there's three people in this parable that Jesus tells that come by this naked, half-dead man tossed in the ditch. And these three men Jesus tells us about. Now, he doesn't tell us their names. Bob walked on the other side and Jeffrey too, but Fred stopped to help. But we normally treat the parable as if that's what it's saying, as if the difference in these three men was that one stopped to help while the others went on. And this then, if that's how we read the parable, this is the point that we should be helpful to people in need. Now, it's true that we should be helpful to people in need, but there's something more, something very specific going on in this parable that Jesus tells. Because the two men that Jesus, that pass by the man in the ditch, Jesus tells us that they are not Bob and Jeff, but a priest and a Levite. And remember that Jesus is not just telling this parable to anyone, but he's, he's answering the specific question of a Jewish expert of the law who wanted, the text says, to justify himself. So he asked Jesus the question, who's my neighbor? Now this question, who is my neighbor, is a fundamental question of Judaism, at least with Phariseeism, with those who would set themselves against Jesus, those who were clashing with him constantly. The Lord had said in ancient times, and I mean ancient going back before this time, back at the time of Moses, that the Lord set apart Israel in His holiness, that He gave to them His promises, the temple where the blood was to be shed for the forgiveness of His sins. The Lord gave to ancient Israel, to His people, He gave Him His word, He gave Him His prophets, He gave to them His law and His gospel. But the Pharisees had taken these ancient gifts of God and had used them not as an opportunity for humility and thankfulness, but rather as an occasion for pride. We, they would say, are the chosen, the set apart, the clean, in opposition to the Gentile world, to the pagan and heathen world, which was unclean. And it was this question, this division of cleanliness and uncleanliness that drove the Pharisees. It's what stands behind so much of their criticism of Jesus. Your disciples, they say, eat with unwashed hands. But this cleanliness that they're after is not a matter of dirt. It's a kind of spiritual cleanness that they were after. So Jesus sits with sinners. And Jesus eats with sinners. And Jesus is a friend to tax collectors and to prostitutes, to the unclean. And this is unimaginable to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees and to the keepers of the law. Now think about it. If your main objective is to keep your hands clean without getting any dirt on them, then you're always going to be checking for dirt or dust before you touch anything. And so it is with these Pharisees. They're always checking who the person is before they go to love them. Because if that person is unclean, then their love would make them unclean. 
then their serving them would make them unclean. Who is my neighbor? That was the question that the Pharisees had to ask before they went to love someone. Because if that guy is a Gentile or a heathen or a Samaritan, then he's unclean and he's not my neighbor because loving him would make me unclean. And now I have no obligation to love and to serve him. Now, Jesus comes right up against this type of thinking. And he turns it on its head. We could, I think, very easily imagine a parable told that's very similar to this parable, but with this difference, that the man who's lying in the ditch is a Samaritan. And a priest comes by and goes on the other side. A Levite comes by and goes on the other side. But then a Pharisee, a broad-minded, open and loving Pharisee comes along and he goes down in the ditch and scoops up the Samaritan. But that's not the parable that Jesus tells. Jesus puts the Jewish man in the ditch and the one who comes to help him is the Samaritan. The hero is the Samaritan. The champion is the one who is unclean. It's the Samaritan who is not asking who's my neighbor, who simply acts out of the neighbor's need. And this is true love. And this is true service. Jesus asked this lawyer, this expert in the law, this self-justifying lawman, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? to the man who fell among robbers. Jesus puts this parable right in this guy's face. And the man can't even bring himself to utter, to utter the word, the Samaritan, but rather says, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, you go and do likewise. But understand, please understand, that Jesus is not just sending this lawyer off to do works of love and service to his neighbor. He's doing that. Indeed, he's doing that. But he is sending this lawman, this self-justifying lawman, off to think totally different. He flips, Jesus is flipping his whole way of understanding the world and thinking about righteousness. He's flipping it on his head in this way. This lawyer's good works were not to be about himself. They were not to be about his own justification. His life was not about making himself clean and set apart. His good works were to be a true service to the neighbor. And this is only possible if you are justified already. Now stay with me because this is the part that matters for us. Luke and the Holy Spirit have put this text here for us that we would think rightly about our own good works and about our justification. You see, this lawman came to Jesus to justify himself so that all of his works were about his own status. You see that? Am I holy? Am I set apart? Am I a Pharisee, which means set apart? Am I better than the rest? Have I achieved the standard that God requires? His works, this Pharisee's works, actually had nothing at all to do with his neighbor, but only to do with himself. You've seen, I think, have you seen this or been there at a groundbreaking ceremony? You, you know how that goes? If you're about to build a new building and, uh, and all the construction site is prepared, but you have a ceremonial, what is it called? Where you have the gold-painted shovel and you have the, you have the man there and he's wearing a, a really nice and expensive suit, but he has a hard hat on, you know? 
And they have, and they even sometimes lay out this carpet or paper so people don't, going out there don't get their shoes muddy. And the guy takes the shovel and he turns over an already shoveled piece of dirt. <laughs> right? Now there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you have to have a groundbreaking like this and it's fine. But it's not a work. It's a symbol of a work. It's not actually doing anything. The guys in the jeans and the steel-toed boots sitting in the bulldozers are there in the background waiting to do the work and get their hands dirty and actually make the thing happen. But this is how the Pharisees would do their work, like the, like the man in the suit doing the groundbreaking. Not to get dirty, not to actually accomplish anything, but for a photo op so that everyone in heaven and on earth would see the Pharisees and see how good they are. And while we might laugh at this, that this is how the Pharisees did their good works. This is the religion of our sinful flesh. This is the religion of your sinful flesh. This is the only way that your flesh knows how to do a good work. And it is to serve yourself. Now, this might take different forms. There is the holy-looking self-service of doing good works for God. So that now my service is for God, so that He would approve of me and I would stand as holy before Him. There is the more pagan self-service of doing good works for your own enjoyment or for your own advancement. But it's all the same. It's all the curved in on yourself religiosity. And you know it. I think at least sometimes we know it. When our good works are a show. Our good works are a show for our neighbor, or our good works are a show even for God, or our good works are a show even for ourselves. But I suspect that we don't know all the time. I suspect that we don't know the full extent of our own selfishness, that we've even deceived ourselves regarding our own good works, our own goodness. Because it's the only way your flesh knows how to be. But there is a way out of this trap. A way. One way. And that is that we are justified not by ourselves, but by God. When God justifies us, then we no longer must justify ourselves. When Jesus calls us holy then we can stop straining after our own holiness. In fact, when Jesus calls us holy, we must stop striving for our own holiness. When Jesus does the work of saving us, then we can and must stop trying to save ourselves. When we are saved because we have the promise of the gospel, then the works of the law are excluded, excluded from our justification. So St. Paul writes, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, by believing the promise, apart from the deeds of the law. We are justified, forgiven, declared holy, not because we have lived a holy life, but because Jesus has died for us. We are clean, not because we've kept our hands free from the stain of sin, but because we've been washed with His blood, covered with Jesus' righteousness, because we are baptized. See, Jesus was not, Jesus was not concerned like the Pharisees were, with remaining clean and holy and pure and set apart. 
He wasn't interested in avoiding Samaritans, of steering clear of death and of sin. He, Jesus, reaches out his hand and he touches the dead. He grabs hold of lepers. He rubs shoulders with sinners. And this is your comfort because Jesus, your Jesus, is not avoiding your sin or your uncleanness or your suffering or your death. But he plows headlong into them. He plunges into them. He bears your sin. He carries your sorrow. He suffers your death. The wrath that you deserve from your sin, He suffers in His cross for you so that He can give you holiness as a gift, not as something that you've earned or achieved, but a gift that He has earned and achieved for you. He can give you cleanness as a gift in the declaration of the forgiveness of your sins. He gives you righteousness in His blood and in His service to you. He is the one who makes you acceptable to the Father. He does it all. And this means that we are now free to get our own hands dirty in the service of our neighbor. The forgiveness of your sins means that you do not have to do works for yourself to look good, to impress God or anyone else. He's taken care of that already by the death of Jesus on the cross. Because of the death of Jesus, God smiles at you. And now you can look not to yourself, but to your neighbor and smile at them and serve them in their need. With the love that Jesus has given you, you can begin to love your neighbor. With the forgiveness that the Lord has lavished upon you, you can begin to forgive your neighbor. With the service that Jesus has given to you, He's serving you, His death and His resurrection, you can begin to love and serve your neighbor. Not to justify yourself, but because you are already justified. You, dear saints, are already holy. You are already righteous in the sight of God. And this is our comfort. And this is our peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. 
On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in his grace.